Welcome to the Hope Sheds Light Rise with Hope podcast. I'm Pam. This season, I hope you join us for the Recovery Speak series. Each month, my guest and I will take a deep dive into the topic of recovery. We hear a lot about addiction, but in the Recovery Speak series, we will learn what recovery is, what it looks like, how it shows up in our communities, families, and friends. We will take a special look at how stigma can stand in the way of hope and healing and what some people are doing to overcome that. Please join us as we tackle the real issues, share actual experiences, offer a little strength, and provide a whole lot of hope. Welcome, everyone. I'm Pam from Hope Sheds Light, and you're joining us on the Rise with Hope podcast in our Recovery Speaks segment. I'm so excited today. I'm joined by my first kind of group podcast. Um, I'm speaking with members from the Ocean County Anti-Stigma Committee that was uh, started out of the Ocean County Health Department. And I'm excited to uh, start our podcast off by introducing Kim Riley, representative from the Health Department. How are you, Kim? I'm good. Thanks, Pam, for having us, all of us here today. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Um, Can you just tell us what your role is in the county and a little bit about the committee and how it started? Absolutely. So I've been with the health department over 10 years now, and I oversee our Department of Substance Abuse, Addiction, and Opioid Dependency. We manage several several grants and programs and initiatives for the county as a whole. Um, Some grants are through the entire continuum of care to help indigent Ocean County residents get into treatment. We fund a lot of recovery support programs, um, some that your listeners might be familiar with through Hope Sheds Light. You guys do great work. Uh, We are the IDRC for Ocean County, so those convicted of a DUI. And one of the projects we took the lead on several years ago was the Overdose Fatality Review Program. I bring that up because that was really the foundation for the stigma subcommittee. Now, let me start and say that stigma is something that has existed in Ocean County for a very long time. Before this committee ever got started, we had so many of our partners addressing this already. Our Department of Human Services through the mental health section over there does amazing work for mental health stigma. But in our overdose fatality review, where we bring all of our partners together to review the lives of overdose decedents and find out what was going on during their life in Ocean County and what were the barriers that they might have experienced in accessing treatment or coming out of the county jail and what things could we do as a group to make improvements for our residents with substance use disorder. Um, in that meeting, it's a common theme to discuss stigma. When we talk about our residents potentially not accessing treatment and not going for the services they need, even though we see a long history of engagement with maybe the criminal justice system or the hospital system and overdoses, we would constantly question why. Why might not somebody want to engage with the amazing providers we have in Ocean County? And stigma came up. So although so many of our partners have been working on stigma independently, we wanted to bring this committee together using that information to say substance use really has a lot of stigma around it. And what can we do to address that in Ocean County? So that's kind of the background of why we're here, why this group exists. We are one of many trying to fight the fight in combating stigma. So, I mean, what strikes me actually in listening to the summary is this is an anti-stigma group, and we can talk about what, what that looks like, but it, it's an outgrowth of a fatality review committee. So I wanted to bring that to, those words to light because we sit around a table and we unfortunately review cases of people who have passed away um, due to a, a drug overdose. And what I want my audience to really hear is that 
what rose to the top of, of, of our concern is that stigma was such a barrier in the life and, and treatment process for these people that in some cases it, it was a, a factor in leading to this uh, fatal overdose. Um, I, I'm not sure that we put that together very often, you know, so succinctly. And, um, and so I just want everyone to hear how lethal stigma can be, right? Is that? That's absolutely correct. So I, of course, the Ocean County Fatality Review Committee is a leader. Uh, you were innovative in, in, in launching it in our state. I don't know about nationally, but definitely in our state. And many counties now are modeling their program after your, your committee. Um, and I believe that taking such a, a big step out and bold step and vocal and visible step towards stig reducing stigma uh, as an outgrowth of your committee work you're also a leader um, in the state and, and so is this committee. So um, I, I just want, I'm, I'm thrilled that our headquarters and who we are originated and the heart and soul of Hope Sheds Light stems from Ocean County and partnerships with you. So I will um, ask the other participants just to introduce themselves and let us, let our audience hear your connection to this committee, your work, your personal, just, you know, why this is important to you. So let's start with you, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Pam. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Amanda. I am a program development specialist at the Ocean County Health Department. I work under uh, Kim on the IOPSL grant, which stands for Implementing Overdose Prevention Strategies at the Local Level. So a lot of the work that we're doing is um, to connect our residents to uh you know, different types of services throughout the county, bring our partners together to wrap support around our residents that, you know, suffer with substance use or have, um, have personally experienced overdose or loved ones that experience overdose and provide them with the support and services that they need. So um, part of that is, you know, reducing stigma in our, in our county to connect our, our residents to treatment and get them to the services that they need. Um, if we're able to, you know, remove some of that stigma, more, more individuals will be able to better access those resources. Thank you. So, yeah, great. Again, example of innovation, right, and, and kind of um, being proactive on, on the issue of the substance use disorder and opioid use disorder. But, it, you know, again, fully emphasizing how you have an entire you know, program and team now dedicated to looking at what we're identifying as a major factor in at least the delay, um, if not the, you know, for unfortunately prevention of for substance use disorder. So um, Kim, welcome to our, our podcast. I'm happy to see you. Can just introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role here? Sure. I think it's not uncommon to have more than one Kim on a behavioral health meeting or a podcast. So um, deferring there to my uh, colleague, Kim Riley, I am uh, Kim V, the director of uh, adult clinical services at Bright Harbor Health, which is formerly Ocean Mental Health Services. And um, I'm just really grateful to, to be here today and to be partnered with all of you around an issue so important as stigma and stigma reduction. You know, I think uh, Kim Riley did such a nice job, you know, kind of making that connection for us and, and Pam for, for you pointing it out. Um, 
So for me, I, you know, I've done this work for about 25 years and I, I'm so glad to have the chance to really make that connection for people and to talk about the fact that stigma is what prevents people from accessing the care that they need. And so if we don't really talk enough about stigma, then it lives and it exists and it wins in, in terms of taking people's lives. And so it's really important for me to, to be able to talk with people about stigma specifically related to social media and how people on social media really kind of um, present themselves as um, as uh, experts in, in care and, and treatment. And um, they scare people by giving them false information or not knowing every side of the story and leading people to believe that there's treatment options that will take advantage or that will actually hurt people. And you know, while, while the treatment system isn't perfect, we have lots of room to grow and change. Um, it does provide solid care for thousands and thousands of people who get better. Um, but we don't, we don't always hear about that. What, what we hear about are the negatives and we hear about, um, you know, we hear people's opinions that aren't based in fact that they present as fact. And, and to me, that's, that's terrifying. So thank you for the chance to be here. Well, yeah, I have a sort of a lot of comments to what you just said. And you're, you're, I appreciate you being here. You can't, if you're not at the table working on the solution, then I don't really want to hear from you, frankly, because I, I, I have actually been a victim of that sort of attack on, on online social media. And I, I offered, I invited the individual that I'm referring to, to, to go ahead and just reach out to me. I'm, I'm open to hearing what your concerns are, because as you said, Kim, it's not a perfect system. We all know that, but you can't, you know, throw out the entire system. There's a lot of really good work that's getting done. And there's a lot of people within the system like yourself that uh, are saying, hey, we need to improve, but this is what I have right now. And I'm going to go on these committees and engage at, you know, various levels uh, in the community to, to improve. And that's all anybody can really ask for. I you know, when I used to wear the prevention hat and um, we did some anti-bullying programs and uh, what we used to bring to light is that, you know, there's one, one bully and a whole bunch of bystanders, right? And so we, we need the people, um, the one bully who gets, we would also bring out that social media gives that bully courage, right? There's a barrier between the person who's leveraging uh, at the, um, derogatory comments and, and the stigmatizing remarks, they don't have to see the impact. They don't see the face of the person that they're hurting. So it makes it easier for them to, to launch this attack. And so what we're saying is, okay, you know, maybe some of what you're, there may be some truth in what you're saying. So why don't you come to the table and help us do a better job? You know, so, and that's what I really admire about you and your organization uh, you're always at every table. You're always, you know, figuring out ways to improve and reach across the aisle and, and engage and support. And so I want to thank you for that and uh, your comments. And now I would like Heather to introduce herself. How are you, Heather? Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Heather Price. Um, and first and foremost, I am a person in long-term recovery. Um, and I am the director um, of recovery centers for Hope Sheds Light. And um, for me, um, 
you know, lowering the stigma um, means being the face of recovery, what that looks like to the community, to my colleagues, to my friends, and uh, really to my family. Um, it's offering a new perspective on um, to help lower the stigma of addiction and uh, to provide like my experience, my strength and my hope um, that we do recover. And uh, we don't do that alone. We do that together as, um, you know, a community, as friends and um, as families. And, you know, being part of this uh, subcommittee has been just amazing, you know, to see the many people that have gathered together throughout several events that uh, we held within the community um, to celebrate recovery and, and to, again, to do it together. So thank you. Um, Heather, I'm just going to stay with you for a second. Um, I'm wondering if you would mind if you sharing with us in the audience any example of how stigma may have um, become an issue for you when you were in, you know, your journey of trying to access treatment and dealing with active addiction? Uh, well, for me, it took uh, quite some time to really understand what the disease of addiction was, um, knowing that I had been affected by it uh, through many family members. Um, you know, growing up, my father um, was an active alcoholic. Um, and just thinking that that was the way that life was. I didn't understand um, that he suffered from a disease. Um, there wasn't any treatment available really for him. Um, several times over, I have come from traveling, uh, lived in San Diego, traveled to here to, um, you know, New Jersey, because this is where I was born and raised. Um, it was difficult for me to access treatment, especially out of state. And, um, you know, was, was turned away multiple times. Um, and treat it poorly, you know, through, through that process as well. Um, because how can I um, choose to use drugs over my children? Um, how can I, you know, not be a productive member of society um, because of that stigma? Like, it almost felt like I wasn't allowed to be. I wasn't allowed to be um, until I have found, until I found recovery. Um, and then it was like, okay, um, something is, we need to do something. What can we do? What, what community services are out there? Um, recovery centers, what 12-step fellowships? Um, once I got involved in, on that level, that's when um, I was able to recover. Thank you for sharing part of your story with us. I, I appreciate it. I know in particular, because we work together and we're friends, that the, the, the hardest, one of the hardest parts of your story was related to, you know, when you were system involved related to your daughter and, and the stigma during that part of your, your journey was uh, unbearable sometimes. And we do have a whole podcast on that with you. So if you want to go through our archives, you can hear Heather's full experience there, but I, I do invite this committee to just kind of open your mics unless there's a lot of background noise and jump in at any point um, that you want to add to the discussion. I, um, I know Kim Riley, I'm going to go back to you because at one point our state department um, released some funding for 
innovative ideas on how to address the, uh, you know, the epidemic in our, in our state. And that's how Hope Sheds Light got involved. Um, but I think it starts with you because you had a lot of uh, freedom in how you structured uh, the type of program you were looking for. And again, I guess I would just wonder, um, you, I feel like you took a risk. What we wanted to do was walk away from, and I'm curious about everyone's opinion on this, walk away from like talking about addiction and highlight recovery. And that, you know, we felt like that would be a strategy that could be effective. And that obviously was appealing to you. So I, can you talk to me a little bit about what you think um, highlighting recovery and offering opportunity for families in recovery in particular to build new networks of friends and, and activities and why you thought that might be helpful? Absolutely. I think one of the things we talked about in Vitality Review and then just through partnerships was celebrating recovery. I mean, how we had to really move that dial forward in Ocean County. We know when we look at the numbers, I'm a data person, we have a lot of individuals that have accessed treatment throughout the years. I mean, Ocean County was number one for treatment emissions for a really long time. We also were number one in overdoses, non-fatal and fatal. And when you start to think about that branch out effect of families and who is impacted, you realize that really in Ocean County, how many people can truly say that they've never been impacted by somebody with substance use or an overdose? I mean, even if it's not direct family, you, you know, because this is happening. And we have to recognize that it is. And I think celebrating recovery and that individuals are in recovery and that people are going through these experiences as a family unit or as friends and be able to say, I support you and I support your journey into recovery. Um, how do we bring that together? And let's break down that stigma that this is a bad thing and let's celebrate the success that these families and individuals have in their recovery. And that's where this initiative came, this grant funding was for a vendor, which you guys were able to get awarded for this, was to hold these events to just celebrate recovery for those that have been impacted by substance use and overdose and bring these families together and bring the kids together to basically say, you're not alone. For a five-year-old to be at an event and see another five-year-old and be like, wow, we've had a similar experience. We are building that community of those in recovery and those that respect recovery. And that was kind of our way to say, this is a way to reduce stigma in a really positive and action-oriented way. So we were really excited that the state allowed us to do this because, guys, I'm county government. We're usually not allowed to do fun things like this. And the fact that they supported us in saying we want to support a vendor to host events, and they said that's great, was very exciting because I think it was needed. And you guys have had amazing turnouts for all the things that you've been doing, and I just hope to continue that momentum and have more and more people coming to those events. Thanks. I, we, we were surprised too at how many people uh, came out, you know, and, and Kim Veith, I'm, I was wondering, since, you know, your organization has been around a long time, and I think for a while, the anonymity uh, surrounding anybody who's entering into treatment and into recovery was so um, important, I get that, but as we start to open up, you know, our faces and voices and, and, and talk about a shout out the probability of recovery. Have you seen a shift at all in the population that you serve? Uh, is it helpful to family members to, to be able to talk about it? Um, I don't know if that, if you've seen any difference there. Yeah, absolutely. So I think in, you know, in your question to Kim, in terms of shifting from talking about addiction to talking about recovery, um, 
you know, I think we still see it as, as needing to talk about both only be, and I, I think probably all of us do. Right. But I, I feel like so much of the stigma that surrounds addiction um, is, is because there's this really skewed uh, perception that the addict him uh, is responsible for his illness or caused it or made a choice. Um, and, and we have come so far in research to know that, you know, choice is a very loose word and, and addiction really isn't necessarily about choice and um, how, you know, it's so linked to early childhood or, or, and how brain, how the brain develops and how you're genetically set up. So, there's this part where I feel like I still need to, you know, scream from the mountaintop about the fact that many, many people's idea about what addiction is, is so wrong. And that really kind of fuels this stigma. But, you know, the other piece that we in treatment didn't always pay so close attention to is the effect on the family and the effect that stigma has on the family. And I think the more we open up and the more we talk about recovery, um, the more we hear about how families suffered in silence and how the stigma of sharing what was happening to their child or husband or loved one was um, terrifying to them and, and that they felt so alone and isolated and, and couldn't reach out. One of the, the programs that we've been working for the past year or so is to visit folks who have had a Narcan reversal and um, often we're not engaging with them. We're, we're really engaging with their family and, and trying to open doors to getting them what they need because maybe their loved one isn't in a place where they're ready to find recovery yet, as Heather talked about, but they, boy, they sure are. And so um, that's one of the ways in which focusing on recovery has, has really opened the doors is for us to realize how much, how much help the family really needs in sort of navigating what's happening for them. Yeah, and I think in many ways, that's how our agencies work so well together, right? We, um, when we started, Hope Sheds Light started by family members, you know, and family members who, unfortunately, in our case, lost their children to drug overdoses. Um, and they struggled for years behind, behind closed doors, not knowing who to turn to, kind of hiding from their neighbors, um, you know, looking online at two o'clock in the morning, all of this stuff that you hear about and not, and really being ashamed until it got so bad that they were like, that's when they shed the shame or they just didn't shed it, but they moved past it because they were concerned about their children dying. And um, the idea that somebody can come to an organization now that is made up of other family members that have experienced the same thing while also working collaboratively with, with your organization and being able to receive the clinical support they need. Um, I think it's, cause it's not like you brought up a really good point. It's, it's not a one-shot deal. It's not, oh, hope can just, you know, bring light to recovery and forget about talking about addiction. No, it has to be coordinated and, and, and consistent. And so that's the beauty of this committee really that we get to coordinate our efforts and our messaging and who we reach out to and even expand, like right now, it's kind of new territory for us to be looking at how do we work with the young people? Cause also Kim, you spoke about the fact that oftentimes the seeds to addiction start in early childhood experiences, right? And 
if we can preempt some of those early childhood experiences and turn them into experiences of recovery and hope, instead of experience of fear, shame, and, and, and stigma, um, maybe we're, we're doing some real prevention work there um, way early on. And I know, Amanda, I think that this is all good fuel, right, for your project. Can you, can you talk about it a little bit? Um, just because I think you're focused specifically on anti-stigma per, and prevention, right? Yeah, we are um, in the process of developing our stigma campaign for uh, part of our IOPSL grant. So we are going to be uh, surveying individuals of the community to assess the level of stigma that's present in Ocean County. Uh, we're also going to be initiating a uh, campaign geared towards reducing stigma throughout Ocean County. Um, and we are going to do other uh, follow-up surveys as well to see how our campaign efforts have you know, impacted uh, the stigma that's present in Ocean County. You know, again, so for us, coming from a, a community-based organization that's peer-driven, um, in order for us to really be, uh, we know we're relevant. We know because 30 families will show up on a Tuesday night for support, and you don't see that very often any, anywhere else. Um, but if I can't quantify it, and I, and I can't really demonstrate that I'm using strategies that can be replicated and are effective, then I stay only important to those 30 people. And we love those 30 people, but I really would like to figure out how to create a way for other people to reach 30 people and so on and so on. So your work uh, becomes so essential. And I don't know of too many projects, I know that maybe nationally, that are trying to establish a way to measure the impact of um, a stigma, both from like what stigma does, but also how preventing stigma might be beneficial. Or, do you have any acknowledge of that, Kim? Did, are we modeling this after something, I think, somewhere else? There was one county out of Ohio that had done something very similar with a pre-telephone survey, a campaign, and a post-telephone survey. Um, they're one of the only jurisdictions that we're aware of. Um, since our grant is national, we have access to some great models that have been done throughout the different states. So we're replicating their model, but we're also talking and working with Dr. Yang, who is a leader in mental health stigma nationally. Um, so he's also helping us tailor this project to Ocean County. And Pam, you nailed it. Um, as much as data is fun for me, I know not everybody likes it, um, we need data to support the things we do. And data is gonna be what gets additional programming and grant funding and really helping us combat, combat what the stigma is in Ocean County. So. If you get that phone call from us, make sure that you take the survey. It's going to be really helpful for all of our future efforts. So that should be coming out soon. Great. And then we'll try to figure out ways to highlight when we release the survey uh, to, to look for that call, everybody who's listening. Uh, so I, I think I mentioned earlier, the podcast is, a, it's, you know, it's our way of trying to get our voice out there, the, you know, and, the, and, and this is, you know, it's a blend. Some some of the people I interview are family members, uh, or and or individuals in recovery, and we just kind of hear their story and listen to what what they went through and what worked and didn't work for them. And sometimes it's a group of professionals um, like like yourselves. Um, so, but I do like to personalize it a little bit. This, as I mentioned, is an outgrowth of uh, when we were all. Um, initially sort of quarantined as a country, right? Uh, back in 2020 and everybody switched to a virtual platform. I, I know I just realized how 
much that impacted the mental health and well-being of everybody, really, but in particular, people with substance use disorder and mental health diagnoses. So we wanted to make sure we were really reaching our audience every single day. So we started Rise with Hope, and this is Recovery Speaks, uh, which is a segment, you know, we're running through Rise with Hope. But Rise with Hope was really a way to offer our hope, stay connected live on Facebook with our audience, and share some of our uh, self-care practices during a time when I think all of us needed to know how to meditate or or jog in place or what, I've heard some pretty crazy things. So I'm wondering how if you guys would be interested in sharing some of your personal self-care practices that are helping us now through this another wave, but also just in general through life. Um, and I don't care who I start with. Amanda, do you have one you'd like to share? Yeah, I think uh, for me, like the biggest thing that has helped is uh, just staying in contact with, you know, friends and family members, even though, you know, with social distancing and, you know, virtual platforms, like we don't get to see our friends and families as much in person, but ensuring that they're available by phone or making time for a, you know, a Zoom conference just to, you know, touch base and see face-to-face interaction um, has been really helpful for me, just making sure that I remain in contact with those that I love and care about. That's great. I love that one. I've, I did some online sort of cooking with my, my kids. I have two boys and we weren't able to be together. And so some of those family traditions, you know, we did them together through zoom and I was, and now they make, they make them, they make the appetizers one, you know, there. So I love that. So thank you for sharing. How about you, Kim V? Kim? That Kim? I'm not such a great cook. I, I might need to jump in on some of those <laughs> online. You're <lessons>. welcome. Yep. <laughs> so I, you know, for me, the only thing I can I can talk about is maybe a little bit different than what all of you have said. And it's really about disconnecting and holding the that disconnected boundary. So holding boundaries is is super important for me because I can be very loose in them sometimes. And one of the things I really depended on um almost through my whole career has been exercise that that is what keeps me well and um i found myself being anxious a little bit and going out for a walk or a run with my phone in part because spotify is on my phone or whatever but what was happening was i was seeing text messages as i was trying to have like time to myself and then feeling compelled to answer them and so my big sort of takeaway has been to learn how to to be in silence and exercise in silence and leave my phone behind and really just sort of set that boundary of taking that time. That's great. Uh, the in silence part of that is super important um, because you're right. Although you get your music, you also get your emails and your texts and your phone calls. And so that's good. Thank you for sharing that with me and us, all of us. How about you, Kim Riley? So I was also going to bring up exercise as my kind of go-to throughout the week. Um, I love to run and just kind of burn that extra energy. And especially during COVID in the beginning, I would be able to finish and be like, my lungs are still working. I'm good. It was kind of like little reassurance that like, that's so cool. I can still do this. Um, But I think like when I'm super like duper stressed out, one of my favorite things to do is go down to the beach with my family. Same thing like Kim said, disconnect, no phones. We are big sea glass hunters. So just to be there, especially in the winter when no one else is there, and that chill in the air and be focused on the simplest thing of looking for that fleck of green or that fleck of blue in the sand 
to add to our ever-growing collection almost takes the focus off everything else. You're just kind of consumed by this activity of one foot in front of the other. Um, so that's probably the most therapeutic thing that we do when we're all kind of feeling really, really antsy. And it's free. If you can get transportation to the beach this time of year, especially bundle up and just go for that walk. And if you mm -hmm. need any good sea glass, send it to me at the health department. <laughs> all right. We need a mosaic from you soon. <laughs> and Miss Heather, how about you? You were like the queen of Rise with Hope, by the way. She was the best. <laughs> Thank you. I go through different stages of um, self-care. It really depends on life on life's terms, honestly. Um, so, you know, running is was huge for me. Um, yoga. Then when I get in different spots, it's really prayer and meditation, uh, connection to my 12-step fellowship, drawing with my daughter, uh, and family time. Um, so those are, those are things that I, I try to do. Um, I'm not always good at it though. <laughs> I always have to remind myself, I need to take some time to write a gratitude list, journal, um, you know, work on step work. Those are definitely things that, um, help keep me balanced and, uh, you know, it's practice. I always have to practice. I know I will say that I, I've had to whip out the gratitude list a lot through this holiday season. <laughs> I, I, um, I lost my sister to a drug overdose and uh, December 28th was year three. Um, and I don't know, for me, when I process, it, it, it feels like the first year is a blur. And then, you know, years two and three really are hard. And then I kind of move through it, you know, get to whatever space I'm going to get to around that afterwards. So between that and my whole holiday plan sort of getting blown up from, from the weight, this COVID weight, I needed to just, just get out the list, not just in my head. I really needed. So for me, I know that I have lots of different things I do, but that gratitude list is what I go to when I'm really, really struggling. Um, I do one every night. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. It's, I highly recommend that. Um, it's very, very helpful. All right. Any parting comments, any words of wisdom for us before we sign off? Okay. I, I can't tell you how honored I am to work with you, uh, all of you. I know there's a couple other members to the group that aren't here, but I, uh, this is a special podcast because you guys are my colleagues and my, my tribe and uh, in this effort and I appreciate your time today and um, I want to thank our audience for joining us and I look forward to uh, the downloads and the questions please email me pam at hopeshedslight.org if you have any questions for myself or any of our panel members uh, or if you want to get involved or share your story uh, we're here for you so thank you thank you thank you Thank you for joining us today on the Hope Sheds Light Rise with Hope podcast and the Recovery Speak series. If you are enjoying Rise with Hope, you can join us by subscribing on iTunes. The Recovery Speak series is supported by Mammoth Cares of Mammoth County and the Ocean County Health Department. We really want to hear from you. Please send in your comments, share your stories with us. Let us see how recovery is working in your life and in your communities. You can visit us at hopeshedslight.org. Have a great day, and we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to Rise with Hope.